Good afternoon, everyone. We left off the story uh, roughly in 1978 with the sad departure of Ray Nethery and his churches. There were about 500 people in those churches that left in Columbus, Mansfield, Ohio, some in Michigan, Lynchburg, Virginia, Chattanooga, Tennessee, and so forth. The split was about the direction that we were taking in large part. There were other personal issues that went into play. And as uh, Father Mark pointed out in the last comment that uh, Mr. Nethery made as he was leaving, he was aware that he was violating the very things that he had been teaching for, for some time. Even with those departures, though, there were a significant number of churches and communities still progressing. One of the other additions I wanted to make was to note that by 1972, Father Gordon Walker, then Gordon, had moved from Mansfield, Ohio, where Ray Nethery was, to start a new work in Nashville, Tennessee. And while the split with Mr. Nethery was traumatic for the Walkers because a lot of the people that were with Ray Nethery at that time were, had been previously part of the churches that Gordon Walker had been involved in in uh, beginning. Father Gordon at that time was actively working building a church in, in uh, Nashville, Tennessee. There further were churches in Jackson, Mississippi, Memphis, Tennessee, Grand Junction, Tennessee, Indianapolis, Indiana, uh, my own parish in Gary, Indiana, uh, Lincoln, Illinois, Tolono, Illinois, uh, just to mention the, some of the Midwestern and Southern churches. Out here on the uh, West Coast, here in Alaska, of course, uh, Father Harold was building a church here in Eagle River. Santa Barbara, California was really the hub of activity at that particular uh, point in time because of the proximity of Blue and Braun living there and Sparks just a few hours away up in Berkeley. As Father Jack mentioned yesterday, for some time he and John Braun and, and Richard Ballou had been meeting weekly at King City, right? King City, California, to study and discuss, study and discuss, study and discuss the various topics and that study really became the, the motor for the development and change and reflection that all of us were uh, picking up on and engaging in at that time. Other churches, uh, more on that in a moment, other churches included Santa Cruz, California, up in the San Lorenzo Valley in the Ben Lomond area, California, San R Ramon, California, Ukiah, California, Huntington Beach, Yakima, Seattle, even in Canada, Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, by that time, was part of our movement as well. And there were other churches. When I looked at the list of uh, people that were at our elders conference in 1979, there were folks from other states, Idaho and, and Michigan and uh, so forth as well. Not all of those folks made the rest of the journey, but these are the, the main churches. We also, as I mentioned briefly yesterday, right at the end, had some 
agencies that were beginning to operate at that time with specific purpose of developing uh, and spreading the word about the faith that we were um, learning. One of the most important is the Academy of Orthodox Theology, which continues today as St. Athanasius Academy of Orthodox Theology. We uh, fell in love with St. Athanasius because of uh, his teaching and all, remember I mentioned that Father Richard got stuck in the Council of Nicaea and didn't ever really come out, but um, St. <laughs> Athanasius was one of our uh, heroes. The active faculty, uh, or the leading faculty, I guess, of the uh, academy were Jack Sparks, Richard Ballou, John Braun, and then when, after Father Jack moved to Isla Vista in 1977, then the program of a residential school actually began as part of the mission. Not, it was not the original mission of the academy in that, that fall. And we have a graduate of that illustrious institution, Father Mark, here with us. Also, Father John Finley uh, was a graduate of that institution, and other folks who have come through and studied. The Websters were on the faculty there. In those in those days, and uh, some of the other folks, and uh, yeah, the, the Zell too, both, Zell. both Zells, and over the years, various persons came in to be visiting faculty and to to teach there as well. Uh, eventually, 1980, Gordon Walker moved to Isla Vista for a three-year period and was part of the uh, effort there uh, as well. The purpose of the academy, though, was not so much the school. That was kind of a byproduct of what was going on. The purpose was simply to provide a community of scholars who would do research and produce materials, for catechetical materials, books, various things like that that could help to spread the word about the gospel to as many places and people in the world as would be possible. To further that mission also, in 1978, again, magazine began to be published. We founded a press arm, Conciliar Press, that ultimately continues today, uh, publishing orthodox books and literature and brochures. But again, the, the focus was on evangelism, on, on reaching out to others to bring them to understand the historic faith, as best we understood it at that particular point in time. It was also in that period, 1977 or so, that we began to have our first encounters with the Orthodox Church in the modern world. As I mentioned yesterday, we did theologically come to find orthodoxy a little bit sooner than that, or at least realize that there was some kind of church out there that theoretically would embody the, the faith and the principles that we were learning. We went through the ecumenical councils, step by step by step, through all seven ecumenical councils, came to the battles in 1054, and as you remember, there were a couple of issues that were important in that particular period of history that involved, first of all, the 
authority of the papacy, and secondly, the issue of the faith, the filioque clause in the, in the creed. Now, if you don't know what that's about, allow me to have a minute to uh, explain that. The, the creed, the Nicene Creed, as it was written and approved by the, actually the second ecumenical council in Constantinople in 381, the first part of it was from Nicaea, the clause on the Holy Spirit, which forms the last part of the, the creed as we currently say it, was actually written by the Council of Constantinople, the second ecumenical council. The creed says this, I believe in the Holy Spirit who proceeds from the Father, who with the Father and Son together is worshiped and glorified. Now that phrase, who proceeds from the Father, is a direct quote from John 15, 26, and expressed the identity of the, well, identity and nature of the Holy Spirit and the Father and also the Son. Over a period of time, the Western Church, in some places, began to use, add a phrase, and the Son to that. The Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son. In Latin, that phrase is filioque, and so the filioque clause is that and the son. Now, from an orthodox perspective, that distorts the doctrine of the Trinity. Instead of one unitary source of all divine life, the Father, instead there becomes two sources of divine life where the Father and the Son together generate a third person, the Holy Spirit. And the net result, actually, is that the Holy Spirit is diminished from full equality of personhood with the Father and the Son and ends up, even Augustine even uses the phrase that the Holy Spirit is simply the love between the Father and the Son, which depersonalizes him entirely. And as a result of that, of course, it distorts the, the, the unity of the Trinity. Well, that was unacceptable for Orthodox theologians. And so they stood up and said, no, this is wrong. You can't add that phrase to the creed. Well, the Pope of Rome insisted that by himself he had the authority to add that phrase to the creed, which the Orthodox patriarchs rejected saying only an ecumenical council can change a creed from an ecumenical council. Strike two, right? In the ensuing controversy, of course, the pope excommunicated the patriarch of Constantinople, who turned around the next day and excommunicated the pope of Rome. And the split remains till this day. Now, I mention that simply because what happened to us was in studying those issues, we came to the conclusion that the Orthodox, the Eastern Church, the Eastern Patriarchs were correct on both issues. They were correct in terms of the ecclesiology, uh, which denied the universal primacy of the Pope of Rome over the entire church. And secondly, they're correct theologically. And so the Assumption then was, okay, well, we're Orthodox. Who else is Orthodox? Is this church around? Anybody ever heard of this, this, uh, the, this church? 